te kore e hoki mai kore ro pura ke mopi And welcome to the N to Z of Film Season 2, Quality Imports. I am your co-host, Andy James. And I'm your other co-host, Rajiv Mishra. Uh, and today we are talking about the Toa Fraser film, The Deadlands. Let's go. This is the N to Z of Film. With Andy and Rajiv. We're back. We're back. Okay, so uh, this is a 2014 film, uh, filmed entirely in New Zealand. Uh, And here's a synopsis. After his tribe is slaughtered through an act of treachery, the teenage son of a slain Maori chieftain looks to avenge his father's murder and bring peace and honour to the souls of his loved ones. That's it. Yeah. So this, so this, this is a this goes slightly against the grain of what we've been discussing. We've sort of been discussing foreign market films made here. This is a pretty much a New Zealand film made for New Zealand audiences that I think travel pretty well. Uh, I definitely saw uh, trailers for it on, um, you know, foreign cool websites. Yeah, like cool news and American websites, birth, movies, death, and cool yeah. news. Um, a variety, uh, I think. A variety did a thing on it too. So yeah, Collider, I think. Yeah. So, so it's slightly against the grain, but um, I thought we should talk about it because Andy has access to it in the Cayman Islands, and it is really cool. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I... we, we agree straight off the bat. <laughs> like, this is a great film. It's good. So, it's good. All right, cool. We're done. We're done. Um, yep. I'm not going to talk about box office because the box office figures on box office mojo for US market, and I heard like three screens. So uh, it did quite well in New Zealand. I don't know how well it did, but... Um, this is a film that I'm super gutted uh, I missed while I was living on Rarotonga. Oh, so you never got to see it in the cinema? No. Damn. I like, And I, I kind of had my fingers crossed that it would come out at the cinema there because um, uh, Cook Islands Māori is very different Māori to New Zealand Māori, but still, it's a Māori language yep. film. It's There are connections between the Cook Islands and New Zealand. Um, mm. So I kind of had my fingers crossed for it to come out there. But mm. it didn't. I kind of missed, I don't know, some sort of mini renaissance going on with New Zealand film. That's right. There was like a, I think it's, um, I mean, I need to go back and check this, but I think it's a Dave Gibson, who's a who's a producer, has made lots of New Zealand content, sort of became the head of the film commission. There was sort of like this sort of cool upsurge. And well, there was this, there's what we do in the shadows. Um, housebound. There was a housebound. Jesus, housebound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, so this is um, this is a film by a director. Well, actually, before we talk about the directors, this is a film um, set in the in like the past pre-colonial pre-colonial in New Zealand history. So the the, the film is entirely in the the Maori language, Te Reo Maori, uh, and it's uh, it's all about Maori warriors and chieftains and villagers, and it's cool. It's got great production design work, awesome costuming. Well, it's uh, Grant Major, so. Yeah, and the and Barbara Dara was the costume designer, and it's. I mean, my wife is a. She's she's in her previous life as a costume designer, and she was like, "This film was brilliant." Like, a sort of uh, mm. extremely heightened sort of uh, traditional Maori garments are amazing. I love them. Yeah, the, the colours. Uh, is it 
Toa Fraser described it as Maori exploitation. Yeah, and that's what and I and I was like I remember watching this film thinking, why did it take New Zealand so long to make a Maori exploitation film? Right. It's so it's so ripe for it. It's so good. Warriors well, and chieftains and intertribal warfare. It's great. The in fact the only other film No, that wasn't I think because that was silent. There was another there was a, a very, 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 very early film set I believe in pre colonial times. Um mm-hmm. Which was basically a Romeo and Juliet story. It was like a film made in the oh the um the Takuti Trail. Film. No, not the Takuti Trail. The um I know that you're talking about. Yep. We should have done more research, but yeah, know that you're talking about. I just thought of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought of it when I was watching this, and just remembered it now. Um, but so so Toa Fraser is like possibly my favorite current New Zealand filmmaker. He I'm, has had a very interesting and varied CV. He's so great. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be a filmmaker, and I would like to follow the same path he's taken, but I can't because he's hugely talented. Um, I remember when we were at uni, I, um, I did a theatre and film class, and uh, we had to study one of his plays. So he's, he's got a background in theatre, but then he went off and made his first feature that he made was Number Two, which is this great sort of family drama set in Auckland, New Zealand, um, about a Fijian family. Uh, and the matriarch, played by the great Ruby D. I mean, you get Ruby D to be in your first film. That's amazing. Oh well, then you know who did he get for his second film? Peter O'Toole. Jesus <laughs> like, talk about stepping it up. I know. Because yeah, Toa Fraser's second film, Dean Spanley, with yeah. Sir Peter Toole and um, Sammy Neill. Sam Neill and uh, and and Australia's Brown Brown, so it's got a good cast. It's a strange film. It's about a guy that thinks he used to be a dog, um, or possibly was a dog. Um, and then he made Giselle, which is uh, New Zealand um, the ballet doing uh, through Giselle, which is a great another great documentary, film. isn't it? It's like a documentary slash drama. It's kind of more like a drama. So it's, it's an interesting movie. Um, yeah, okay. that was, again, this is one of the, the films that came out when I was out of the country. Yeah. Uh, and then Six Days, which is coming up soon, and I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, uh, yes, that's right. So that's a, it's a movie that, that um, chronicles the Iranian embassy hostage drama in London in 1981, was it 81? Um, which looks amazing. And it's got a whole bunch of New Zealand actors in it, which is cool, but it's got, like, Mark Strong and Abby Cornish. So that's a one. There's a trailer that to. came out for that recently, wasn't there? Or am I What's there? That? Oh shit, I missed that. They they put out a new poster today. I mean, this is gonna, not going to go to air for ages, but um, yeah. So and then the screenwriter is a is another New Zealand guy called um Glenn Glenn Strandring. Glenn Strandring. Yeah. Yes. So he he is behind uh, what was a massive hit for New Zealand cinema, a movie called Irrefutable Truth About Demons. It wasn't necessarily a massive hit in New Zealand, but I remember reading about it in the trades because that was it was way back in the day, like two thousand one, and it got a massive deal with Blockbuster in the US so it made a huge amount of money in the US through that Back deal Blockbuster was a thing yeah so that was uh, Karl Urban uh, before he became uh, a writer um, of Ruhirm yeah before he became that and before he became Bones in Star Trek uh, and he Just Red and Just Red <laughs> he's become quite the genre star hasn't he he was, a, he was in a horror film in his own called The Irrefutable Truth About Demons which is like a psychological thriller and then Glenn Sandring is also a guy that wrote a, a feature film called Perfect Creature, which I don't think did very well, but was ambitious, an ambitious sort of vampire. Super ambitious, especially for what you typically <laughs> think of as a Kiwi film. Mm. Yeah, Perfect Creature is set in an alternate Christchurch where vampires ruled the world. That's right. Basically. And, uh, 
and uh, <laughs> for some reason I think the Vampire Capital was crushed. I don't quite understand, but it was like it was a steampunk thing, big steampunk film, very cool. Uh, didn't necessarily hundred work hundred percent, but you know, going into cinema watching it, going, wow, this is this is cool. So so he's he's quite a cool sort of creative behind the scenes writing these films. So those two guys together have made I think a really great film. <laughs> yeah, uh, Deadlands. I man, just everything. <laughs> that's the end of the podcast just just everything about this film is cool there's um so it's a pretty wicked kind of chase action film there's treachery the bad guy is a super bad guy he's um super bad he's a treacherous vainglorious kind of uh chieftain's son from another village who um, makes a pretext for war when there's been peace between these two tribes mm-hmm. um, and then treacherously also again then kills them all in the night before what I guess a sort dick. of like formal declaration of war what a dick what a, what a dick. dick and then takes the chief's head <coughs> it does he cuts the chief's head and takes it away in a bag um so heads and then heading back to his tribe he takes his men across the deadlands the lands where a tribe had died had all been wiped out basically by a monster that's right we find out the backstory of the monster as the film progresses yeah Um, and then he's chased by the chief's son that's right for vengeance for and so there's all of these Man, there's a lot. There's quite a bit of thematic meat on the bone. Yeah, it's 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 thematic it's, it's meat well on the cannibal out. bone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So so the so the boy um, who is referred to uh, as Tama throughout, which is just Māori for the word boy. Um, apparently, his actual name is Hongi, but it's I didn't I, credits, I didn't pick yeah. up on that in the film. <laughs> I don't think he's ever called Hongi in the film. I don't think so either. I'm not entirely. They just call him Tama. Everyone calls him Tama. Um, played uh, by it's played by James Rolleston, who has become James Rolleston. Yeah, he's become he's become quite the growing star in New Zealand. So he was in a Taika Waititi's um, second feature film uh, movie called Boy, which had quite a lot of crossover appeal um, overseas as well. Uh, and then he was in another massive hit at Cannes, in which people were hoping Cliff Curtis was nominated for an Oscar, but he wasn't called The Dark Horse. Uh, I, and this is again another one of those films I bloody missed. Yeah, about a about a, um, a chess it's genius prodigy who's genius soon thing, wasn't a homeless yeah. man in his renaissance. Um, He's in a movie coming out uh, right now called The Rehearsal, which is playing at New Zealand International Film Festival. Um, and then he's going to be in the remake of New Zealand's sort of seminal, amazing, sort of uh, defining film, uh, Goodbye Pork Pie. This will be the first remake in New Zealand cinema history, will it? I don't know, actually. That's a good, that's a good question. I suspect you might be correct. Hmm. Yeah, But think back to it. the Deadlands. Um, also, with the bloody amazing... Lawrence Macquarie. Yeah, I'm. I feel like I've, I've written down here. His performance is note perfect and amazing. Uh, it's sad. It's fierce. Uh, it's absolutely frightening. Like he's so frightening. Um, Terrifying. <laughs> but also, yeah, that deep well of sadness and regret. Then you can see why he's turned himself into this monster. Yeah, I, I reckon if if when New Zealand had a, a, a proper big industry that was trading out film after film I reckon he'd be a massive star 
he's uh he's so good i mean he's <laughs> he has a background of being in things like uh <laughs> die another day <laughs> lee tobohori he played a he played the henchman mr kill <laughs> mr kill <laughs> But or he's been in his um, other Mark... big role as the leader of the Urukai in Fellowship of the Ring. That's right. Yeah, he's one of the brown guys playing one of the bad guys in Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Um, he's in Marco Polo. He's a great actor. I mean, his performance in this, I just see, is no perfect. But it's um, for people that may not have seen the film, he's a massive guy. He's a big dude. Uh, yeah. And he is so imposing. And the makeup and the way he's dressed is so frightening. It's uh, it's a, it's one of those things where you really believe he's that. Like he's not an actor being that. Like he just is that thing. He's a he monster. He's just the monster that haunts the Deadlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon special notes should be made of the the two bad guys. The um, the main bad guy, uh, Widupa, played by mm. Takohi Tuhaka, who is a fantastic actor. He's uh, he he feels like every scene he he's in feels like a Shakespearean, like a classical performance. Like a classical bad guy yeah, performance. Yeah, he really <laughs> just owns being a shit. He is. <laughs> he's he's a shit. He, he's um he's in this. I, I don't know whether you've ever seen this, Andy, because you went overseas. But he's there's a a show on New Zealand television called Find Me a Maori Bride, which is like a weird comedy hybrid starring Cameron Holloway. He plays a sort of very upright. Maori follow that's kind of condescending to a lot of people and it's kind of it's kind of like a precursor to what I think he's playing in this film but he he's just one of those actors that sort of can be like a chameleon like he he, he moves into different roles really right. well and he's he's great I mean I I couldn't you couldn't you couldn't find a better bad guy performance and it's all in today Maori so everything's being spat out you know you're not you don't know the language so we're reading everything subtitles but you can tell he's spitting out those those words that he's He's being an evil motherfucker. <laughs> it's good. It's awesome. I love it so much. Uh, and his right hand man is a um, the sort of right hand man that is following him unquestionably, but you can see in his eyes he's kind of doesn't necessarily believe. Yeah, his his second, his lieutenant, who is who who is watching him and thinking this guy. Yeah, I've got my I've got myself tied to him, but. Do I want to? <laughs> yeah, and I have to. I have to be loyal. Yeah, because he's I'm yeah. a secret lieutenant, so it's good. It, it can't show a sign of weakness in front of the men, but he you can see it in his eyes. He's, he's questioning at all at all points. Um, and that's a that's a great New Zealand actor called um, Xavier Haran, who was also in um, Dean Spanley. He played one of the characters in the Dean Spanley's past when he was a dog, uh, and he's going to be in Six Days. So he's he's one of my favourite New Zealand actors. So whenever he's in something, I'm real keen to see it. He's a cool dude. Uh, I think we also got to give a big shout out to the awesome martial arts on display. Yeah, well, I was trying to find uh, just before I was doing this. I remember reading an article about the martial arts and how they designed it and what they did. Um, there's obviously a lot of um, what do you call it? Um, meta action and what do you call I don't that stuff? Uh, Maori martial arts stuff. You know when they do kapahaka. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Uh, performance with, uh, with with spears and stuff. It's amazing. It's so good. Um, the choreography of that stuff is yeah. I don't like. I have out. no idea if any of that is true to history or not. But I also don't really care in terms of this film because it's just awesome. I think it. I think there is an element. I'm reading reading a, an interview it's like with a Stunties. Kernel of truth that yeah, there was they were using expanded on perhaps. Yeah, they were using kapahaka and another form of martial arts to sort of develop the style because it is it's a very unique style right like it's it's specific yeah well they've got so they've got the 
um, is it the Taiha, the mm. almost like a like a staff mm. with a pointy end and a, a flattened. I guess yep. is the best way to describe it. Flattened end. Yeah. Um, and then they have the uh, short range weapon. God, oh, I've forgotten the name. The 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 club. The patouche. Like yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> short range sort of sort of club, um, and then you've got the nunchuck type things that um, a woman has. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That was super badass. Yeah, it was super badass. <laughs> this, 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 this is clearly a film that speaks to me and Andrew quite quite a lot. It's just like... <laughs> she's just like, there's a fight in the river, which is awesome. And then she's got like whirling nunchucker things that she's had stashed up in her... Back. In her back. She pulls out and twirls them around and they make a cool sound and... Yeah. Yeah, I think I think massive shout outs to I should have written it down. Whoever the weapons designer, like I guess it's quite major in in um his team in, uh, maybe collaboration with his awesome team. Uh, made like when they at the very end there's a um there's sort of like a standoff in a Maori Pa, like a big fortress. Um yeah, hill, they find the and weapons. they uncover this sort of weapons hold and oh, it's got man. this awesome these like patus, like these big clubs, but they've got serrated edges, I guess from animal teeth or something. Bone or teeth or all the edges. <laughs> So yeah. cool. And the way that Xavier Haran, the second in command lieutenant, the way that he moves with that stuff is so good. Oh His man, is... like yeah, the, the the fight choreography in this. Every character has their own way of moving. Yeah, which is great. That's the sort of stuff you love. Eh? It's unique. It's not yeah. they're not interchangeable. I love that. Like he's got his style of fighting. Uh Lawrence Corre has his style yeah. of fighting. James Rolleston has his own style. It's man. Yeah. I love I love Xavier Haran when he he kneels on the ground and makes a circle with his his weapons. Yeah. <laughs> so good, <laughs> so good. Yeah. So so the whole thing with the 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 Lawrence Makawari's character is that he's the he's the the Tanifa of that forest, right? The Deadlands. Yeah. And the whole exactly. deal is that he's had to kill. His father asked him to kill his family in order to restore the honor or to to restore peace with another tribe, and then he ends up. I can't remember why. I think because of the guilt, he I ends up killing everyone in his tribe. Yeah, I think it's just that because he killed his family, it basically broke him. Yeah. So then he, in the night, some years ago, slaughters the rest of his tribe. Which is so dark. <laughs> so dark. And so he's haunted by his ancestors, the, the ghosts of his, of his tribe, and can never be at peace, really. Can't no. die. Because he won't be welcomed into the afterlife. That's right, and his performance in that role is something else to behold, isn't it? Like he's got that sort of, you know, when you when you first introduce him, he's scary, and then he has, a, and, and then he's kind of laughing about it, and then the boy Tama turns up to the his house, and he sort of threatens to eat him, <laughs> but if he tells yes, it, because entertaining... he kills people, because because the this guy kills people and then eats them. Yeah, yeah. He kills a dude in the opening scene of the film. Um, but then if he tells an entertaining story, he won't. And then he sort of listens to Thomas' story. We don't see that, but, you know, he, he obviously knows that Thomas' tribe has been killed by this guy that's now trespassing through his land, so he agrees to help him. He ends up becoming a surrogate father figure for Tama, uh, which is great. I love that. Yeah, he, like, a, like a strange kind of father-mentor yeah. sort and of that, thing. Become, like I, I was thinking of him as his war father. 
Yeah, his war father, exactly. And, and Tama, I feel like Tama hasn't had enough, because he's still a teenager, he hasn't had enough training. Like, his father's obviously been killed, and his father's right-hand man, uh, played by Kelvin Tateo, has not taught him enough. Well, uh, I also think, like, it's... Um, at one point he says, doesn't he, that um, his father was right. He was not meant to be a warrior. I don't think he has previously had that warrior's heart. No, and it's not it's not in him, but he learns it from... Yeah, um, the Tanifa from the warrior and ends up being freaking awesome at killing folk. Um, <laughs> uh, even Sathoff on uh, Birth Movie's Death has this quote, and I love this quote. Uh, when it comes to paddling people in the face, this movie does a pretty good job of it. And I would oh, yeah, agree with that. Lots of, there's lots of smashing folk in the face. <laughs> it's so good. I really enjoyed it. I so wish... I'd managed to say this with a crowded cinema. Yeah, it was great. I mean, we saw it. We saw it. I saw it um, at, a, at a in a crowded cinema with my wife, and we, you know, you have you have a you have an idea from a trailer what it's going to be, but I didn't expect it to be this violent. <laughs> it's really violent. It's violent, but it's fun and it's engaging. And there's, yeah, because and there's there are these struggles of honor and family and stuff going on, and um, the line that. Uh, stands out to me it's Lawrence McQuarrie when he's um just killed awesome nunchucker girl and James Rolleston is angry at him and asked why he did that because they were helping him they were helping yeah um they were gonna you know because they knew they were gonna go and tell that the monster that haunts the lands is actually just is a actually man. just a man yeah and that's when he tells his his awful backstory of killing his entire tribe yeah he says yeah there is no no there is no nobility just politics yeah yeah just and it has so much relevance yeah and and that's that's in reference to um to um boy being all like he didn't have a note my father didn't have a noble death he cut his head off yeah, there's, yes. there's yeah, there's lots of talks of noble deaths and stuff, and and uh, Lawrence McQuarrie's character also says, you know, there's there is no noble death, there's no noble life. Um, it's all just, you know, n- nobility and honor are words that the higher ups use to send young men to their death. That's right. Basically. So it does. It rigs so true to me as well. We're such we're oh. such pink, we're such pinko liberals, me and you. Um. <laughs> Thank <laughs> um, you, liberals who love these Maori exploitation films. <laughs> That's so good. Um, it is interesting that you know you mentioned you mentioned that he um, so the the lady the female character her name is Mihi in the river like they come across this woman and her two aides I guess and uh, um, Tama pretends that Lawrence Macquarie's character is his father. And so she so, she sure. sort of she sort of figures it out and they have this weird thing it was a weird sexual tension film scene which is quite strange and weird but she figures out because he's got the markings in his leg of the dead tribe yeah um and i felt like i you know the first time i watched it and and this time again watching it on blu-ray again i felt like that scene slows the film down a lot and i was kind of like just that scene between them uh between mihi and the warrior oh the whole the whole bit with the with mihi and uh and the it is the whole sequence um because everything up to that point is really fast. I was kind of like, oh, it's toes down. But then I was like, actually, it kind of needs it because the whole film is so, so fast Yeah, I think it's a moment to catch your breath. Yeah. 
it's a moment for the film and, and for us to catch our breaths. And then there's an awesome nunchucker fight. So that's right. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. all for it. Yeah, it's just that I, so I read a couple of reviews that were like, you know, there's there's a couple of mundane moments, but there's enough thrills to carry the view through. And I would, I don't know whether it's mundane. I think that's a bit unfair. I think it's a really good moment to show. It's not mundane at all. Yes. What are they talking about? <laughs> numpties. I guess because <laughs> numpties. I guess because the rest of the film is so fast paced. You kind of part of you just wants it to be a roller coaster from beginning to end. But because it's Toa Fraser, he's got and Glenn Sandry, they've got other ideas that are more interesting than that. So it doesn't. I think it does need that moment. Especially to solidify, like why why this guy is, you know, why he is bad. And, and yeah, well, he, if you he, didn't have that, that you wouldn't have him breaking down and talking about the darkness inside him and everything. So yeah, oh no, it is it is interesting. It is like a um, what is it? Because even in that opening scene where he kills that warrior, he still he looks up to the heavens and and feel and talks about being tormented by the gods. Yeah, tormented by the um the unseeing eyes or something of the night right yeah so so yeah. even in that in that opening moment where there's the, the film opens with this warrior sort of being frightened and running for his life and then he gets killed by Lance McQuarrie looking like a monster huh. you know in, in that moment running through the forest for their lives much like an echo of our previous <laughs> yeah, episode right. but but even even in that even in that moment where he's clearly like a bad guy you see this humanity in him right like there's something there's something about him that's not quite right and you don't quite know what it is yeah it's and good. then you see um that dead guy a little bit later on in the film just leaning up in the corner of his hut and he gnaws on his leg <laughs> something yeah. that was great it's a great there's another great scene like great when, the, when, when they first encounter like there are two there are two two members of the party of the bad guys team they're like fuck this we're going back and then um, Tama and Los Macquarie find them and kill them and then it's like a moment of sort of reflection where he, he ends up teaching Tama how to use a tire hard properly. But before that, he's sitting around the fire and he's cutting the arm off. up a guy. <laughs> eat him. I love that. Dawa, my wife, was like, ugh. <laughs> I was like, sick. And it's good because they, they're still having a back and forth and it's kind of a meaningful conversation about nobility and what it means to be a warrior or whatever. And in, in between, it's like, chop, 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 chop. chop. <laughs> really Wait, isn't there one... Uh, God, isn't one of those dudes he... Where, where he, um, Lawrence Macquarie warrior kills one of them, and then does he grab like an eyeball and eat yes, it up? Like right down then? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> that would be so good. I really want more of these sorts of films. I love a guy that can go make a like a family drama set in Auckland suburbs, a modern day. Then a movie set in the 1800s about a dude, a priest that used to think he was a dog, and it's quite gentle. And then a movie about. <laughs> About ballet dancers performing Giselle, and then a movie about Māori dudes eating each other's eyes. <laughs> That's awesome. Friggin' cool. We're not being very critical of this film. This is just I, a love, uh, love I, fest. I'm finding it difficult to be. I had such a ball with it. <laughs> I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, I did. <sighs> um, I wanted to make special mention of the music. Um, oh, man, the music was phenomenal. And when I saw who had composed the music, I was like... That doesn't sound like anything they've done before. That's right. It's, it's Don McClashin, right? Like he he did the music for Number Two, so it's quite. He's quite, he's got he's obviously That's got a right. history with Toa Fraser. Yeah. Um, but Don but McClashin it's, it's, of the New Zealand band The Mutton Birds, which which growing up was possibly my favourite band growing up. I don't know whether that makes me cool or really lame, but uh, I would recommend listeners out there that have never heard of The Mutton Birds to look up The Mutton Birds and, and listen to some of their music. Definitely. They did a cover of uh, Blue Oyster Cult's uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, which features oh, on the, the Frighteners soundtrack, which is great. 
Uh, John McLeish is not singing on that one, though. But, but um, it's, it's one of those things. Like In the previous season, we talked about The Bounty and its weird electronic score that, you know, I end up liking, but kind of doesn't work necessarily. This is like a weirdly electronic and haunting electronic score that is amazing. It really totally works. works. Right? Totally yeah. works. Even though it's like completely um, period piece. I mean, the, the years yeah. never stated, but it's like, you know, pretty, pre-colonial New Zealand. Uh, but the electronic score is haunting and beautiful. Really works. Really, really is. And I, watching this as well, is that I'd totally be up for seeing more pre-colonial films in New Zealand. Yeah, sure. I, I guess they're just it's expensive to make. Like you'd have to, you, you know, you can't just go. You have to build sets that are mighty village. Oh, I guess you could just set one in the forest. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, sure. Why not? And then we should make lots of them. It's true. Uh, yeah, that, there should definitely be more. And then there's, you know, the Maori language is then helped to be kept alive. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful language. It is. I love listening it to really, it. It really, really is. Yeah. Um, and so watching this from where I am, which is currently far, far away from New Zealand, so I don't sort of, because even in, just in New Zealand, you typically hear snippets of Maori just in everyday language, everyday yeah conversation or whatever so it was a nice kind of reminder of home yeah not all the time and, and, it, and it is like you know people people talk about like you know black history month or whatever and they talk about maori language week and it's like well why, why does it need to be just the week like you know we, we made this movie that's awesome and people liked it i Make still th- i still think I, I still think there's a there's there's a we're getting this is a very serious this is very serious now i, I still think there's a, like a lot of pushback i think a lot of people are like why why would you bother I think a lot of people think it's a dead language and it's a waste of time and money. Yeah, uh, and I don't understand those people because that's not how society works when you want to build a society. Yeah, no, gonna... that's that's a dumb thing to say. Yeah, but I I know people personally. Frankly, like I know that. I I, think I know people like that too. Yeah, um, and I think they're wrong. I do not know a lot of Maori. I know basically what every Kiwi knows, but I, it would be good for me to know more. Hmm. But I also think just having that, I guess, pop culture, general exposure to Maori language can help. Can that. only help. Yeah, yeah. This is the cultural growing hour with Rajiv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, I think there's definitely room for uh, pre-colonial genre films. Yeah, I you really know? think. I Why think not? there. I think there is. I mean, uh, it's a huge untapped reservoir of stories and there's there's got to be i mean there's there's got to be there's got to be ones in development surely i've seen a bunch of shorts i've seen like many a short film set well not many but a few a few uh short films set in like pre-colonial maori times but nothing to this extent i just want to say um you said you said you don't know many many words of maori my, my wife learned a bit of maori and, and i was want to shout out to my mum because she well, i remember when i was at school she learned te reo maori uh, from the TV, there was like uh, language courses, and she taped them all. And she's not fluent oh. or anything, but she's got quite a lot of quite like whenever, I don't know whenever I'm at dinner, and then we sort of mention some word or something, she'll know what it means. Not all the time, but quite a few. And I was like, oh, that's, it always it always surprises me, but it's nice. So I do feel like I'm I'm lacking in that 100%. I know kura and colours and few numbers, but not much. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how many international listeners we actually have, um, and. How many? We've mm. got a few. I sent out a tweet the other day, and we've got we've got some listeners in Burkina Faso, 
Uh, and uh, Kia ora. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's Welcome to the far now. Sound, sound, SoundCloud spits up these statistics effects. I don't know whether they're real. I don't know if there are people listening through VPNs that are going through Burkina Faso and Uruguay and stuff. Who knows? But if there are people out there listening in those countries, hello. Welcome to our podcast. Um, I think I'm good. I, 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 um, I, I, I made... honestly don't know what else to say except from it's freaking awesome and I want to see. <laughs> Want to see more of it? More, <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted uh, to make mention yeah. of the amazing, the amazing uh, Leon Nabi and his great, his great work. Oh, we didn't mention Rena Owen. We have to talk about Rena Owen. Oh, Rena Owen. Oh, of course. God damn it! How did we get this far and not talk about Rena Owen? Rena Owen is a friend of the podcast. She's we've talked to her online through the Twitter. She's great. Um, uh, and she plays She's a character f- called Grandmother. Phenomenal. Grandmother. Yeah. Who who appears in the um, and sort of spirit realm. Yeah. Um, later on, it's later on. I don't on, want to say dream sequences, but the that dream kind of time. Closest. Um, yeah. Uh, later on, there there mushroom uh, fueled dream sequences, <laughs> but before that point, the the boy um, Tama goes in, and it's when he it's when he first a enters of the spiritual experiences. That's right. It's when he first enters yeah. the Deadlands, right? He 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 interacts with her. Or was there one yeah, before the, that? Uh, Oh gosh, I think there might be, but she yeah, um, because he's about to give up at one point. She yeah, I think she, uh, when he's when the village is first attacked, um, and he is pushed down a bank. Which, God damn it, that looked like it hurt. Um, and then eventually passes out. I was at the first one. Yeah, I think that might be the first one. And the second one is when he enters the when he enters and he's like he's going he's going off by himself to chase after this gang of people that have his father's head. And she's all like, well, you know. What would your father do? You got to think of something, and he's like, "I'll I'll contact the warrior." And she's like, "There you go, <laughs> go to get the warrior." She's Rowan amazing. Out. <laughs> she's amazing. She's a uh, she's not that old. They've been put her in old person makeup, and she's great. And she's so something about her that feels so real in that moment, even though we know that she's an actress. Like, yeah, there's. Well, I mean, she's she's really on. She's <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, she's been there's, more yeah there's like a. a, a kind of strange uh, I don't want to say agelessness maybe I do maybe she, I am she has a very specific um, look that is it's not classically beautiful but she's beautiful like it's interesting and, and it carries well into roles like that like mystic grandma you know <laughs> <laughs> mystic grandma <laughs> well she's playing she's playing um, she's playing medicine woman in, uh, in Logmire in a couple of episodes I haven't got to her episodes yet but I think that's kind of her thing where she has a sort of, you said ageless. I guess that's kind of right. Like an ageless, an ageless spirituality about her. I feel like that's something that's sure inherent in her. But she was great, amazing, great performances cool. all around. Uh, I'm going to give this one five stars. As am I. <laughs> it's I seriously I I totally dug it. And maybe it was just super in the mood for a kick-ass action film, but. Uh, this, this kind of ticked all my boxes and yeah. uh, really really well made to boot cool yeah you know it's it great it's great cinematography great music it all it all seems to come together uh, so, hopefully I mean, yeah if, if our little podcast can boost uh, the deadlands out there into the world and get more people seeing it um, then we've we've cool. achieved something it's, we've performed a great duty yep uh, five Sacred stars duty. five stars um, you can find me to talk more about the Deadlands on the Twitter at Andy James underscore Inc with a K. 
And you can find me uh, on Twitter at Rajivfilm, R-A-J-E-V-F-I-L-M. Please rate, review on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, just yes, comment at us. Comment at us. We, we would love the commenting. Uh, please, get in contact. We, we, yeah, we know we have listeners. I will talk about the Deadlands with you because it's that good and awesome. Okay. You should watch it. And we'll see you. We'll see you because we're creeping on you through the internet next time. Yeah, we're we're halfway through. We'll we'll, we'll carry on. See you soon. Crack your day.